Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for the Knollcast. Want to thank our title sponsors, as always. Louisiana Hot Sauce, three simple ingredients, one fantastic sponsor. The great people at Tarpon Cellars. TarponCellars.com is the website. And the coupon code is Knollcast for 20% off. And uh, we'll go ahead and thank our friend Matt Lewis at Congruity. Uh, CongruityHR.com is the website there. Fantastic people who I've worked with uh, on multiple times and am uh, am, uh, exploring trying to work with him again on a a certain project that I'm involved with. And, uh, you know, we're just real fortunate to have the sponsors that we've had over the year and uh, are the years. And those are three great ones. So, Bud... uh, Let's talk, man. Fun conversation. Got uh, Florida State's continued to get some great news recently, and uh, and Jared Verse certainly was was some great news earlier today. So we'll have a decent idea as to what the end product of retention looks like, and um, yeah, just a couple different things that we can talk about. A couple friends, uh, rather than being on the phone uh, at night and chatting about stuff, we happen to have a microphone here at uh, eight thirty on a Saturday evening. So. We'll uh, we'll settle in for a, a non formal null cast, if you will. No doubt, man. We, we have a, we have a little little thing scripted out, but not 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 much. Uh, both of us been really really busy. You know, we've got uh, got. I have to go to the convention tomorrow. I know you got a bunch of travel coming up for work, so uh, glad we can get this thing in. What what a nice announcement though today. Uh, what was that about? Just just before lunchtime, Jared Verse announces that he is coming back. I just can't stress how absolutely huge that is. I mean, and for for a number of reasons. Number one, he's a leader on your team. Number two, he's your only good pass rusher. Proven, like like I'm not saying these other guys can't be good pass rushers or won't be or haven't shown some flashes, but in terms of guys like who are actually good right now today at rushing the passer, he's that dude. You know, his pressure rate is double of any other defensive end on this team. Yeah. More than He's, double, actually. I, I love the stat that you used in your your quick hitter that you put up uh, on our socials, and uh, he's both the guy that you have right now from a statistical standpoint, and is also the guy. And not that there's not some really talented young players like Pat Payton who have a chance to be special. Uh, Jared Verse legitimately has a chance to be like a top twelve pick next year. And yeah. Jared Verse's ceiling is that that doesn't otherwise really exist in college football, much less on the roster. So, um, you know, he's a uh, sharp kid who who comes from a very impressive family and you know they weighed out evidently the pros and cons and um there's ultimately a a bet on himself here that he comes back and and turns into one of the more dynamic pass rushers in college football and it's hard to predict these things from year over year but it does appear as though next year's class might be a more draft friendly defensive end class uh as well but it's a pretty good edge rusher class this year when it starts with Will Anderson and you got the Kansas State kid. You got a bunch that are really good guys coming out this year at the defensive end position. So, I mean, I, I agree with you on that for sure. I, all right. Like, realistically, I mean, if he was a guaranteed top 15 pick, FSU's not getting him back, right? He has to be sort of in that like 20 to 45 range ish. I think that's accurate. Absolutely. I mean, there's no reason for anybody to come back, uh, regardless right. of of um, certain, you know, priorities that you have internally or, um, you know, whatever 
the new modern landscape of college athletics that we live in and the support that NIL is allowed to give. It doesn't matter. I mean, if you're that level of draft pick, you go. That That is life-changing, family-changing money. Um, now, Jared, certainly, and you and I can, you know, debate mock drafts and the validity behind them, but he certainly has been mock drafted anywhere from, you know, eight to the middle of the second round. Uh, it, it is a, the the pieces are there. Now, are, do, those some, do those same pieces that some people look at and have him mock drafted at number nine overall or 12 or whatever it may be, you know, if, if he's a player who comes back and shows those flashes uh, more consistently and particularly shows those flashes against some of the higher level uh, tackles that he goes against, Jared Verse will be a top 12 pick next year. There, there won't Mock drafts won't matter. You know, the, the one that matters will have Jared Verse coming off the board in the first 12 to 15 picks. And that's uh, certainly what I believe his ultimate goal is. I mean, you, you look at this, right? It is so freaking hard to be a top 12 pick. I, honestly, like, if I think I think realistically, man, if Verse was a guaranteed top 25 pick, I know I said 15, but like if he was a guaranteed top 25 or better pick, I think he's gone. And look, it only takes one. So that, that's always the allure and the attraction. Like, hey, it only takes one team to love you enough to take you that high, right? And that's very possible somebody could have. But I remember Mitch Hyatt, right? Won the Jacobs blocking trophy and was an all-time guy. Went undrafted at a Clemson offensive tackle. Like these mock drafts, these pre-combine mock drafts. I talked to agents quite a bit in the business. They hate them because they're largely BS, man. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, like, you talk to guys who put together some of these all-star games, and they do so by talking together to scouts. And the scouts know their notes for their region. Or their team, but they may not know the like you mentioned. This is a pretty good draft for edge dudes. You know, I was talking to an agent the other day, and he's like, "Hey, man, like you, you know, this scout told you this, but like this scout may not know what we have in the Midwest or like the Mid South or out out on the West Coast this year. They may not know what the teams drafting in the top twenty actually need this year. There's so many factors, and so I we'll probably never know exactly what his grade was. But what we do know is that like. Jared Verse was already one of the better pass rushers in college football. And he has a chance to come back and be like, he was pretty damn good this year. He has a chance to come back and be dominant. And that really changes the defense because it, I mean, think about it, dude. Like now you, Pat Payton, if he can give you 400 good snaps, a lot of them be pass rush snaps opposite of verse. That's a really, really nice year. You know, McClendon. Awesome. Right. Like he can play some snaps for you. He's a good player for you. They like Byron Turner, they meaning the staff. But like that kind of pushes back the the luxury versus the necessity of a Byron Turner. Do you need Byron Turner to play 600 snaps for you next year? Not if everybody stays healthy. Like mm-hmm. it, there's a trickle down effect that allows for continued development. And this is there's this is just this is a really, really big deal, man. Yeah, it is a massive deal, and it's obviously a, a further reflection of the realization that uh, you know you're, you're you have the opportunity to do something special next year. Certainly, doesn't mean that it's uh, guaranteed, and special is very much a eye the beholder term. Uh, but you know, you've had a great amount of success in the portal. Uh, you've got a great amount of talent returning, and you've got a player that is exceptionally dynamic at the most important position on the field. That is a recipe to have as high an upside as you can possibly have in college football, particularly in in today's modern era. So 
Um, you know, you I don't want to say push all your chips into the middle of the table because that makes it sound like 24 and 25 is going to be some kind of uh, empty cabinet, which I don't believe at all is the case. A lot of these guys that are coming in the portal, some of them are coming in for one year. Some of them are, you know, two or three year guys. That's a that's a whole different look at when you evaluate what's out there and what the longer term ramifications are. So uh, long way of saying it, 23 should be an exceptional or at least have the potential to have an exceptional year. And 24 and 25 continue to be built up with what the staff has done from a consistent perspective over the last 18 months or so. And it'll be fascinating to see what they can do with a, you know, a little bit of a, not having to always have a headwind uh, in front of them and, and what it looks like with the, with the wins and their collective sales a little bit more. So let me ask you this. Uh, people always ask us like, Hey, wh- which kids did you get? Meaning FSU because you had this good season. We, we have to get verse returning as one of those dudes, right? Like he doesn't return if you're coming off a six and six or seven and five season, right? Like I, there's got to be a a team trying to win the conference for the first time, you know, in almost a decade thing going on here, right? Certainly. I mean, I, uh, yes, I do. Does if Trey Benson has the season that he does uh, with, with what's in his, uh, you know, with what he's looking at as far as the position he plays and, having an injury prior, I don't think there's much of a chance Trey returns. Obviously, Trey is a, a roommate and close friends of, of Pat Maiden. Does, I mean, I don't know how people look at me like oh, this is blasphemous, but does Jordan return? Or, or does Jordan, right? Uh, I mean, I, again, I'm, I'm treading on thin ice, but the open market for a quarterback is absurd. Uh, you know, there that would perhaps be something that he would give consideration to had they not had a special season. We're all just speculating here uh but you know now you can look at the high school class real quickly and there's a wide receiver that immediately jumps out and a safety and some other things as to what you would not have gotten say you've gone you seven to five eight and four whatever um but yeah I, I think some of these larger significant pieces are only there because of the season you've had and some of the ramifications because of said season also like let's think about and i shudder to think about what would have happened if you didn't get verse back, but the defensive end market in the portal is rough. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's legitimately like we, we, we saw, you know, we saw Jordan Birch uh, entering there from South Carolina. Uh, Michigan was very quick to take the kid from coastal Carolina. It like these dudes in it, the transfer uh, market. I don't know if he's pure end or edge or how you classify him, but the Georgia state kid that went to USC. Uh, yeah, that's, that's another, you know, you you got to go try to find talent. And Jared Verse is a different level of player, uh, obviously, than what you put out there. But you're right. The fall um, for a replacement would could potentially have been pretty significant. No doubt. So awesome job there. Uh, all right. Let's talk about another guy who announced this morning. This morning or yesterday morning? I, I'm kind of losing track now because Battle's End is just signing so many different guys. <laughs> Johnny Wilson coming back, man. And, and that, like a guy that I did not think was going to be anywhere near this good in, in year one in Tallahassee. Like I literally like this time a year ago, we were talking and I just talked, well, I guess 51 weeks ago, not 52. I was getting drinks with a bunch of guys who who run personnel in the pac 12, you know, and they had seen Wilson and scouted them. And they're like, there's some ability there. He drops the ball all the time. He doesn't get off press. Like, you know, can't trust him. Like I, you know, I can see why Florida State would take a flyer. Also, like, really, really needs a lot of work. And they put in that work. You know, I think that's a credit to, first of all, Johnny. 
obviously, like for putting in the work and really working on his craft. He he made big strides over the summer. But also, like, look, man, like Norvell played receiver in college. He cares about receivers. Like he's he's on Johnny Wilson every day, right? And Ron Dugans and and all, all the guys that work with him. You know, what do you end up with? Like 40 catches on on the year, but for you know over 700 yards, that's you know, like almost 20, like I think shoot, almost 20 catch becomes a very like doesn't catch the ball every time, but a guy that can be a high volume dude and kind of a go-to guy. And you saw it after Oklahoma was committing so many players to the run. It's like, okay, like it's hard to cover Johnny Johnny Wilson in single coverage for most of the corners you play. Like the yeah. elite ones, yeah, maybe maybe they'll get him. But like most kids you play on this on this schedule are gonna have some trouble with it, man. And that was a, a huge gift for them. He's an incredibly complimentary piece too for for what defenses have to do because of who your quarterback is and yes. and the the uh, attentions that safeties have to give your quarterback and and the way that you have to defend this offense because of what happens if if thirteen gets five yards downfield and has a chance to really start running. Um, I think we should also probably mention. Uh, well, uh, just real quickly, anecdotally. Uh, I stayed at the team hotel for the cheese bowl, uh, which was a lot of fun and uh, all sorts of things. And there's guys that just, you know, speaking uh, honestly off the cuff, there's guys that you'd get into an elevator with that you're just like, oh, yeah, that, you know, some safety for Florida State or a linebacker or whatever. Johnny Wilson is a, a different looking dude uh, when you walk by Johnny Wilson in the hall. I mean, he you realize what a six foot seven or six foot six wide receiver really looks like and how daunting that has to be. Uh, for a you know five nine DB out there to try to man up with that. Certainly, there's some uh, significant examples of said uh, DBs. Uh, Louisville pops to mind immediately in my head, having having a hard time defending that. Yeah, and uh, Johnny is just a, as far as a physical specimen, as far as size of an individual, um, it, it jumps out to you. I mean, that is a legit six 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 seven, and that's a that's a big damn wide receiver. Now, uh, very impressive. Um, did want to mention that uh, Florida State's certainly been really fortunate in retention overall, but uh, Treshawn Ward entered the portal a couple days ago, had a really solid cheese at bowl there, uh, which was a great way for Treshawn to go out in a game that I'm fairly certain he knew was was very, very likely uh, to be his last game at Florida State. Treshawn Ward uh, was somebody that Bud talked about on signing day, uh, what, two or three years ago about the fact that, you know, Florida state didn't necessarily have to burn a late scholarship on a kid. Cause they had done a really good job of identifying a, uh, a preferred walk. Uh, Remember know, how people, mad people got about that? People get, well, people, <laughs> like, it, was, it, was, it was a, it was a mad time in the fan base overall. Was. Um, but yeah, no, Treshawn Ward always carried himself, uh, exceptionally well. You'll not speak anybody in Tallahassee that has too many bad things to say about him and a kid that, you know, sometimes portals about uh, NIL, sometimes portals about uh, all sorts of things. Uh, and sometimes portals just about a kid knowing that he wants one real chance to either be the guy or one of two guys and, and have a, you know, clear idea as to how many touches, uh, carries and other things he's going to get. And, you know, there's there's been some really big names associated uh, with Treshawn, whether it be Washington. I know he official to Kansas State. I think uh a very significant program has uh, some interest of him <laughs> kind of out in that part of the country as well. I mean, Treshawn Ward will land at a major program and he certainly, you know, I can't speak for everybody, but he, he leaves with, uh, with so many people's blessings. Uh, I hope it really works out for him. Impressive kid.
tonight he dropped a uh, tonight being being Saturday night uh, dropped a uh, it was Kansas State Auburn and Tennessee Tennessee um, okay Damn. you know man like I I hope he goes somewhere where he can be the primary ball carrier and I hope he gets a bag yeah you know like because if you look at Trayshawn. <laughs> I, like I'm serious. Like, like okay, he might hey. be on the right path. Uh, <laughs> from, uh, yeah, for a couple of those schools. Yeah, you know, like look, Kansas State kept Avery. I yeah, have to assume true. that they have some nil going on there. Um, Auburn is not messing around, and Tennessee is very organized. So, you know, like if you're if you're Trayshawn, just from a regular college student, not like freak first round type pick standpoint. And look, maybe he'll play in the NFL. I don't think he's a guy who would get drafted personally. Just if you're going to be that size, you need to be really freaking fast. Your best attribute can't be like just balance and vision. Like Treshawn almost never misses the hole. He always makes the correct cut, which is valuable. Like that's a good skill to have everybody in the NFL for the most part, unless you're like a total, like just, you know, alien of an athlete. Mm -hmm. They're not going to tolerate people missing the hole. You know what I'm saying? So it's, I mean, if you could go get enough money to like put, put like a, a down payment on a condo coming out of college, like, like I don't, if you're in the chat, like think about how, how big of an advantage that would have been in life to come out with like no debt and enough money to where like a, like, you know, you put down a down payment on a condo, right. And just pay that thing off. Like that, that's, that really sets you ahead in life to like own your own home at like 24, 25. Like that, that's a big deal. And I, I think that's one of the really cool things about NIL. So if he can go somewhere, get a bunch of carries and get a bag, I'm I'm rooting for that kid to do that, man. Like that's mm -hmm. awesome. It's yeah. also like quite obvious, you know, Florida State's pretty loaded in the backfield. You know, Rodney Hill's coming. They like Toa Philly quite a bit. They got this guy named Benson who had, a, had a quite the second half of the season and is really athletic and much bigger than Trayshawn is. So, you know, um, that's that's a big one. Also big, Fabo coming back, huge man. Fabian's massive, absolutely. You just have to try to get as many quality pieces along the line of scrimmage as you can, and they're hard to get more quality pieces than Fabian, particularly when he's healthy. I mean, Fabian doesn't necessarily uh, beat blocks at times. At times, he absolutely humiliates people and and throws blockers off him in a disruptive manner that you just need. You go back and watch the LSU game. It is it is remarkable uh, at times how dominant of a player Fabian is. And so you certainly hope that you're able to, uh, you know, get him back at that level of play, get him healthy, uh, fully, you know, aware that uh, it's his money year in addition to, you know, the program in general, as far as their aspirations for 23 and, you know, Fabian's a guy that could come back and, you know, be, uh, be benefited by having opportunities that are associated with NIL, but also come back and, and put on tape uh, for the NFL, a, a fully healthy, fully dominant season and have a chance to really, you know, kind of alter his, his own trajectory as to what you were talking about there. So uh, that's massive. Look, you get Fabian, you get uh, the the quality of defensive tackle that you did in Fisk out of the portal. Uh, there's just a, a lot of great pieces there. Uh, and ultimately, we'll have to see what the <laughs> the uh, full makeup of the interior defensive line is. But uh, they've done an exceptional job adding pieces. And you have, 
you know, you've got a two deep that is a legitimate championship quality. And we'll have to see if that's a conference championship uh, or more. It really, I mean, like, I also like Fabo, I don't know that he needs to play 600 snaps in order to justify him coming back. Like you probably want to get a lot of your, your younger guys, you know, your, 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 your farmers, obviously like you, you brought in Fisk, which, which is really helpful. You know, you have, you have Tafasi now coming in, right? You, you, you got the kid, they, they, they signed at a homestead last year, who was like, I, I think a really, really good player coming on. And now I don't know why I'm blanking on his name, but um, like they got like a uh, lions, excuse me. Like you got a lot of really interesting bodies in this room. And you honestly have about seven games where you should be like double digit favorites and probably four where you're like a three or four score, maybe five games where you're like a three or four score favorite. You know, if you're Fabo, I don't know if you want to play 600 snaps last year. No, you, I think if you're Florida state, maybe you work something out with him. Cause like, I guarantee you, like I'll tell you flat out, some of these veterans didn't like how much FSU hit in preseason camp this year. They didn't. They, they felt like they didn't need to do that. But I think Mike Norvell felt like he wanted this team to be super tough. So, you know, if you're Fabo, can you give 50 snaps against Florida? You know, can, can you play 45 at Clemson? Can you play 45 against Miami? Can you play 50 against LSU? All right. Can you play 25 snaps a game against other opponents? I think FSU would love that. Keeps them healthy. Showcases them against the best opponents. You know what I'm saying? They rotate guys in, in, in other spots. Maybe it doesn't bang quite as much in practice. Like that's the kind of a load management thing I think you can do with a guy like that. And that's probably, I mean, I don't I don't have details on, on his agreement with the team to come back, but like if I'm him, that's probably what I ask for. And if mm -hmm. I'm if I'm FSU, I say yes to that. Yeah. You know. So I I uh I imagine that that is you know, somewhat uh, in the very clear consciousness of some of these guys that are returning is that, uh, and obviously if you want to be in this, uh, you know, Florida State football utopia where all this stuff works perfectly, is that your 23 season is special enough that you get a lot of these guys that are important enough are going to be exceptionally important. Let me rephrase that for 24 and 25, a whole hell of a lot more playing time uh, because you do have the type of roster that you're going and certainly appears you're going to have you're going to have the depth at positions that you haven't had around here in seven or eight years at best, uh, particularly at some of the more meaningful positions on the field. And uh, yeah, no, I mean, I think the 2023 Florida state football team needs to be uh, in the, in the business of dominating some people uh, for, for the exact subject matter that you're talking about for, for limiting some of the wear and tear on some of these guys that are returning and also for creating opportunities for some of these position groups that are, really damn loaded. I mean, we talked about the running back group. You can look at the wide receiver group, say the same thing. Defense tackles, you're going to need churn and uh, you're going to need to kind of go through, organically go through your roster. And hopefully that's a, a process that allows everybody to be a little bit more healthy, well-rested and uh, have the ability to, you know, perform at the end of the season if you are in a place to have a, a really special season. You know, and, and you just, you look at this, right? I mean, like, Fisk obviously coming in, he, he's coming off the shoulder procedure. Like, I, I think everybody expects him to be good. You lose Coop, but you got Malcolm Ray, right? You got Farmer. You have Lions. You have Tafasi. You have a couple other guys um, who, who came in last year. Do, how, how much like do you want to rely on, on those guys this year? 
But like in 24, you're going to need a lot of those dudes I just named to be dudes. This year, you can work them in. If they're not working well for a series, you pull them off, right? You, you throw somebody else in. Like that's kind of the beauty of this year if it goes like you project, right? You got a lot of pretty bad teams on this schedule. You should have a lot of games where you are blowing people out. You can play a lot of young guys. You can keep your studs fresh. You know, I, I do expect that they should use kind of an NBA approach this year with their studs, as you said. But also, like, put some of your guys in there in learning situations. We know Dell Higgins wants to have six defensive tackles to rotate. You know, getting Fabo, like, that's the key thing, man. It's almost like a stud pitcher. Like, some days you may want to give him six days rest. Just okay. But, like, when you need him come playoff time, you need him. And, you, and FSU certainly hopes that they can make a playoff this year, which would be, you know, pretty incredible, obviously considering where Mike Norvell took this roster over. But, I mean, like, he's just such an important, like, that's a down payment on an excellent season, having him. And if you have a down payment, you may want to get a loan for the rest of it. So call our friends at the Legendary Team, Chad and Shannon, 844-FSU-LONE. It's 844-FSU-LONE. Those guys do a tremendous job. I'm not sure if they're in the chat tonight. They are part of the notification gang. If you guys are on notification game, make sure you hit us up with the like and subscribe there in the chat. If you're one of our audio listeners, please be sure to hit us up with a uh, with a follow on YouTube as well. We do drop some YouTube shorts and some other creative stuff there. It's not really great for, you know, for the podcast uh, medium, but, uh, you know, it's not bad for a little short form uh, content there. You guys thought I was going to gonna swing in, into the ad read when we did Treshawn Ward talking about like, what if you could afford a condo? But I, I, I wanted to save it a little bit. Just because the chat was anticipating, I got to keep everybody on their toes. I just, <laughs> I mean, as far as keeping guys coming back, dude, verse Wilson Fabo, and, and and you get Fisk, like that's that's really freaking good. Um, I don't know if I told you this. Had a guy who covers UTEP reach out, talk to me about buyers. He's like, mm-hmm. oh, you guys are gonna freaking love buyers. Yeah. I was like, yeah. He's like, dude, he's a stud player, you know, but he's also I mean, just at like leadership wise, personality wise, like that's a guy you want to have on your team. There you go. Nice job, Mike. Like to say a really, you know, a, a really nice get there. And honestly, like I think about this. Are, are you ruling out the idea he plays tackle for you this no, year? I'm not. He, I think he could play tackle. For doesn't you. immediately jump at you as tackle height, but I think I said it on signing day, uh, other than Hakeem Williams, Byers probably the most important kid that you sign, in my opinion, or or could prove to be in time. Uh, I think that's just a different level of offensive lineman uh, that you were otherwise going to get out there. No, you and I can have the conversation that we've had personally over the past couple of days as far as what spring portal looks like. And and if you really think that you're in the in the business of trying to find a, a difference maker offensive line in the spring portal and, and what that uh, – I believe the term that I used with you on the phone, that's probably going to have some Manhattan pricing tied to it, if you know what I mean. Uh, I mean, I just think that I think I can't can't overstate how big of a deal I think the buyers get is and uh, what it means for the offensive line. And and again, it's all about depth. It's all about who's the who's the first guy that you have in there and how how important that is to the the players that are behind it. And um I think he gives you a lot of flexibility too, whether or not he's playing guard or tackle. And I think it's just a big damn deal. So that was a great one. You know, I mean, like you're right. Like I, if you want to get an elite offensive tackle or like a really good one in the portal, 
this spring, I, I mean, you better have a million dollars per year. I think, I, I think that's what it's going to cost. Like I, I know what the top kid went for last year or pretty sure I do, you know, and that wasn't a million per year, but it was not that far off. Right. So this year there, there's really just not many elite level tackles out there. And like, that's why I think getting buyers in is, is really, really important. He is a very good player. He's not ID'd as a pure tackle. I think he may end up playing tackle for this team potentially. Also like just, there's, there's two things to talk about here. There's all there's the value of having roster certainty. There's the whole concept of like unless you have unlimited funds, right? As a you know, as a school and like unlimited resources, unlimited scholarships, resources, whatever you want to call it, you do have to kind of be smart here. But also there's a real value, I think, unless you like with except if you have like a super superstar, there is value of getting a guy in for spring to acclimate to your system. Also, there's value as a coaching staff. Where you can be like, hey, this guy we brought in, maybe not quite what we think, you know, or hey, mm-hmm. maybe he's a lot better than we think. Maybe we don't need to go pursue another player at this position. You know what I'm saying? So, like, that's pretty important. Um, there's also kind of more of a desperation feel to the post spring portal. Now, I think you'll see some big time names jump in post spring just because these kids will see what kind of deal the other kids got, and they'll probably like some, some people will jump in. But yeah, the most valuable commodity in college football right now is a is a kid who hasn't transferred yet. I mean, that that is and for a lot of these kids, uh, you know, NIL two or three years ago was. Maybe a very small, insignificant figure in the broad scheme of things, you know, kind of the more the more 1980s model of recruiting where, you know, somebody got $20,000 in a shoebox or something like that. You know, it, it's a, it's a different market out there. Um, it, I, it'll be fascinating to see what I do think is uh, just speaking candidly. And this is something that we've said on the show <clears throat> for hell, probably 10 years now. Uh, if, if uh, Bud Elliott jr. Happens to be an exceptional uh, college football player. Not only would he, if he was listening to old Uncle Ingram, he's not going to commit in the at an early signing day. He's not going to commit at second signing day. He's just going to enroll when he wants to enroll somewhere. And my whole point being there is that there's only the market demand and the availability for players out there only grows smaller. And the desperation and demand on the other side only grows larger. Uh, I think the spring portal period uh, will be very active. Uh, but for the cream of the crop, I think it'll probably have prices associated with it that the portal hasn't seen up until this point in time. 100%. All right. So uh, th- this question from Keith Jordan or Keith Gordon, I think is interesting. Will each year's portal have a surplus slash shortage of the same positions each year, or will it change uh, year to year? How will that affect prep recruiting priorities? I can't guarantee you that there will never be a year that is awesome at offensive tackle in the portal. But if I had to bet my money on it, and I'm looking up here to watch the Jaguars game because I, I do still have a chance to be number one overall in the whole country in the Golden Nugget contest. That'd be a cool 100,000, man. So, like, wow. you know. Absolute bonkers. Uh, I, I need I do need the Jaguars to to, to beat, beat the Titans here, though. So, <laughs> here's the thing. Yeah, Dodgers, I'm just number one in the country right now. Yeah. Uh, Good for you. No, man. I'm not. No, but I have a chance to finish number one. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm, All right. I'm, pardon me. Yeah. Uh, pardon my I, I, I did look at the sheet. I'm guaranteed the money, but I'm just not guaranteed to be number one overall. So, okay. you know. All right, look. But God just don't make many of them. 
big bodied guys who can move. I think you can always find receivers and DBs in the portal. There are just not many guys who look like like I like, like Simmons, right? Mm-hmm. Who Florida State signed this year, like like Okunlola, who Miami signed, like Proctor, who Alabama signed. And even if those guys aren't great in year one or year two, if there's any sliver of hope that they actually, you know, become good, those schools are going to lock them up, man. They are because they know that they'd be dummies not to. If the kid leaves and he turns out good somewhere else, you look like an idiot. And then you turn around and you're like, oh, wait a second. I got to take this kid in the portal or that kid in the portal. It is extremely tough to find these big-bodied guys who can move in the portal. I'm not saying it's impossible, but when they pop in, they're not going under the radar, okay? Like, the Jared Verse thing at Albany was pretty rare, you know? These guys are just amongst the entire human race are kind of rare, and so it's these big-bodied positions for the most part that are just – you tell me, like, Everybody loves the Rouse kid now from Stanford. You know, like that was one of the big ones. A, a Johnny Cornelius at Rhode Island, another important one. But that's a D2 kid. You know, this is this is really difficult to, to find, man. And so, yes, I do think that there will be ups and downs. But in general, it will be much easier to find skill guys who are at least competent in the portal on an annual basis, I think. We're all dealing with small sample size. Uh, from what I can tell you, I agree. I think you're going to be able to grab running backs and safeties almost as needed. Um, wide receivers will be right there. Now, we, you know, obviously, can you get serviceable players is what I'm talking about. Can, are, are five-star game changers going to be out there? I really, well, we'll have to see. But as far as going out, and uh, it's an overused phrase, but trust me, if you're in the NIL space for 10 minutes, you'll hear it a thousand times. But as far as money balling it uh, and finding positions where you can have a have a respectable figure and, and still get a, a quality level player out there. As of right now, I think running back safety and wide receivers are going to be the areas in which they are most readily available. Totally. I also feel like and linebackers, more... I mean, linebackers. Yeah, are, I don't want to say dime a dozen, but linebackers is not. It's not the position of importance that it used to be 15 years ago or so, and uh, even more, I guess, accentuated by the fact that really you normally only have two on a field uh, as as is at this point in, in college ball. So, Agreed. I, I mean, like, if you, a true, like, you're not going to get a Nicobe Dean in the portal, most likely, but you can get a serviceable player. Like, you can go get a Tatum Bethune, a guy who most likely won't get drafted but is a good college player, has use, you know, maybe not a true three, like maybe not exceptional on all three downs, but, you know, can play a lot of snaps for you. Like that guy can be found in the portal. I I, I totally agree with you. I, I acknowledge, you know, Bethune's not 6'3", 229 or something like that. But I, I, you know, Tatum is one of those players that, that picked up an injury. Yeah. <laughs> Who didn't play at the Louisville game and pick up an injury, it seemed like. But uh, I, I would be fascinated to see what a what a healthy Tatum Bethune looks like for the you know better part of a, a year. Uh, I think that's a, a different level linebacker than Florida State's had in a while. So I think uh, I think if he's healthy at the shoulders better, mm-hmm. that could be a real key for FSU's defense taking a step forward next year. Yep. Something else that we have not discussed yet, which also could be a key for for them taking a step forward, 
is replacing Marcus Woodson, who uh, was able to find a new home at Arkansas. Um, I can't tell you that I know for sure he was going to be gone, but I certainly don't think the corners you know, looked super well coached this year, and uh, his recruiting was not uh, not great. So the chance for FSU to take a, a step up there and, and upgrade the position now that he's gone, I mean, which, which goes what's well, obviously, at Arkansas, is certainly there. Um, I I don't know who they're going to hire for this. I do not think that they're going to going to promote from it within. Just talking to people, I, I do not get that vibe at all. So no to that question from the chat, I guess. I don't, uh, again, I, I hesitate to say this because there's assumption that I know more than I do. I, I don't think that's on the table. I, I I believe this will be an outside hire and, and confident in that. Yeah. I think Mike Norvell has a, a decent list that he'll look at. Um, you know, obviously, you got to think about TJ rushing because he hired rushing for you know a, a hot minute back when, when he first got to town. Rushing got a better offer at AM, more money. And at the time, the, the, you know, the uh, program was in a better spot there in College Station. But those two obviously have a relationship. I don't know necessarily like who else, but I, I think that they will emphasize Florida recruiting ties, if at all possible, unless you can get a guy. You know, he's a total stud, stud, like really proven and, and you know, he's a good recruiter who can recruit anywhere, which this yep. staff does need, right? I mean, I think protect. rushing would be maybe the only candidate can truly heavily considered that doesn't have deep Florida ties. There, there may be other people yeah. out there that I'm not aware of, but uh, I, in my opinion, he m- might be the only person that doesn't have a documented track record of s- significant success in Georgia or Florida. I think that's fair. Um, you definitely need a guy who can recruit well because you know, defensively, I mean, like Shannon is not a quality recruiter anymore. And I mean, you could talk to guys on Jimbo's original staff who would who would say that they loved recruiting against him, you know, a, a decade ago. Fuller is like not a dynamic recruiter, so you do need a like you need a killer on that side of the ball, like you have an Atkins on the offensive side. In my opinion, but you also need somebody who can coach and work with Fuller because I don't think they're going to fire Adam Fuller. Um, now, one of the challenges here, and we said this at the time, so I'm not afraid to like own the take here, is that a lot of these dudes who are really good corners coaches and also really good recruiters, they're going to move up fast. And one of the ways you get them is by offering them a co DC position. Here's the problem you don't have that to offer. Because you gave that to Randy Shannon, in my opinion, unnecessarily and unjustifiably, right? And I think you did it because Shannon had a better relationship with some of the players on the team that Fuller did not. And I think it was sort of like to smooth over some feelings and whatnot. You know, like, I I think the take I have on that is really the same that I had a year ago. I think Shannon's probably fine at coaching linebackers. But, you know, if you wanted to go get like, I mean, a number of guys on like the Knowles 24-7 hot board, are they going to leave their current spots, even if you got a lot of money to offer them, if they're not going to get an upgrade in title? And Florida State's in a weird spot here because you don't have an upgrade of title to give a lot of these great candidates. I do still think, however, that the room we, the room will be better next year, even if you can't give them that. Yeah, yeah you, you'd love to have the title, and I'm, I'm in complete agreement with you. I'm telling, not disagreeing. I will say that outside of that, 
this is as good of a position that Florida State will have hired a position coach from in since 2015. I don't know. I mean, you yeah. got to go a long time back. This for Mike is Mike's first chance to make a hire uh, with with the program in the back of his mind that he always knew he would build. You know, with a 10 win team, with a, a team that a guy that's uh, you know not the not the authority on college football, but Brett McMurphy takes it seriously and. When you got somebody like Brett Murphy putting Florida State at number four and is all too early top twenty-five, uh, I wouldn't necessarily start booking tickets for Houston. Uh, although that hasn't kept some friends of mine from doing such things, uh, but no, I mean that's a reflection of where you are in the college football world. Are you the fourth best team in the country? Yeah, maybe, maybe not. Are you one of the twelve best teams in the country? Almost certainly going into next year. I personally yeah. think you will have a single digit next year name going into next year. Uh, and I said that either last year or two shows ago, based off how I thought retention and, and the portal would ultimately play out. Um, yeah, this is Florida State for for guys or, or girls uh, or ladies uh, that are, you know, kind of of our age. This is the closest that Florida State has been as far as uh, the eyes of prospective candidates that that of what we kind of internally classify ourselves as, as Florida State fans as to what the program should be and and what it should be when it's going out and hiring. Uh, so th- this will be a really interesting thing. They are uh, limited to a, to an extent and not being able to offer that title. And, and it's not just a title y'all in uh, right, but it is about career advancement. Uh, but also there's more money that you can come uh, and bring a guy with said title. So it's, it's not just about the resume. It's about uh, things that you can do for him. But I do believe that Florida state is a very attractive candidate uh, to perspectives. And I do believe that Florida State, uh, from a financial standpoint and some of the work that Seminole Boosters and and Mike Alford have done, uh, that they're in a place to be pretty aggressive uh, as to if they find the right guy, what they ultimately can offer. Agree with that. Yeah, I I don't think that Florida State is lacking in funds here. I mean, they really seem to be all in, especially on this year. I think the Boosters know like they like Mike. We told you guys this in the offseason, like they were all in on Mike. So I think they're going to give him the resources. I just do think it was a mistake to make Shannon the, the co-DC because like that that's another carrot you could dangle in, in this recruitment and uh, of your new DB coach. And that will limit the pool somewhat. But I still think they'll, they will largely – I think they'll probably upgrade. It also helps that Cypress is already pretty good technique-wise, you know, coming mm-hmm. in. Ventrell, like the one of the number one corners in the por- in the portal. I think we have him like number two or three, right? They did 24-7 sports. So, and, and a pretty ready-made dude who, you know, look, if he was a first-round pick, he wouldn't be transferring in. But is he a guy that's probably going to get drafted? I think so. And so to get a guy to come in, be your number one corner right away, I think, uh, and be a definite starter, I know, unless something really weird happens, which I I mean, I'd be pretty shocked. He's a guy that has put some uh, some pretty impressive electronic times out there. Cypress has a chance if, if you know, all these yeah. guys. But Cypress has a chance to be a pretty significant draft pick uh, if, he's, if he's able to pit the type of film together uh, that he's on. And, hey, look, if you're Cypress, you don't think that dude uh, did a little fist pump or something like that with today's news? I mean, what it means to have a guy like Jared Verse coming back yeah. and some of the opportunities that – that a, a pass rusher of that caliber creates for you as somebody in the secondary. Uh, no, it's uh, it's significant, man. And uh, but I've got a, a fairly significant meeting on uh, on Wednesday uh, and Monday. And do you know where one of them is taking place? 
I hope it's Charlie Park. It's most certainly Charlie Look Park. Look at that, man. Man. Charlie hey. Park is where you want to go. It is Tallahassee's best rooftop bar. It is a favorite of Bud and I's. Uh, and that's not just because uh, we've been so fortunate to have Matt and his team sponsors for as long as they have. It's uh, an awesome setting. It is uh, on top of the AC Hotel over there uh, in that cool little stretch of Tallahassee. And it is, uh, it's an awesome place. And I'm always excited to go back and see it. And as somebody that enjoys uh, a glass of peated apple juice every once in a while, their scotch selections are significant and uh, impressive. So, uh, Charlie Park, A number one with me. All right. I, I do want to talk about one thing here because a lot of people are like, hey, you know, you, I, I made the comment, like, I, I don't think this defense is as good as some of its ratings show. And I wanted to dig into some numbers with you guys, right? So looking at the various numbers, I think SP Plus has FSU's defense at 34th in the country. I have them in the 40s. Some of the metrics think they're like a top 15 or 20 defense. Do you know what a team total is, betting-wise? What, like eight and a half coming into the season or whatever? No, not not like the win total, but like for each game, you can decide like like Vegas puts numbers out. You can bet on how many points a team will score. Right. Right. Got it. So what I have said is that I think Florida State's defense has abnormal covariance to where they are very good against the teams that are like largely incompetent. And they are like much worse than expected against the teams that are like competent or better at the quarterback yeah. position in this year. And I have some numbers to prove that. Well, that's the jump you got to take. Not not just quarterback yes. position. I'm in agreement with you, but the line of scrimmage too is where it really shows up. Where you play a different yeah. level of opponent, it's different, and and you see it at the point of attack, and you see it when a when a defense has to defend uh, a higher end quarterback. Complete agreement. One hundred percent. And and I think like we can debate: Will a new DB coach fix all the stuff, or do you think it's more like Fuller and Randy and and like everybody on the defensive staff? Like, do they need to kind of make bigger changes there? I'm kind of in that latter camp, but I'm willing to be wrong on this. I hope I am. If you look at how they play, they start out these games generally pretty basic, expecting that their front will get home more often than it does, and that they'll play this two-man coverage, right, or some of the man-match stuff. They don't actually play it very well. Now, it works when the opponent, when the opposing quarterback is incompetent, okay? But if you look at it, like, like, look at when you're playing Oklahoma and they have four backup offensive linemen in there. The windows that Gabriel was given to throw in are way too big for these coverages when you're dropping seven guys. That is something I think a new DB coach could potentially fix because these defensive backs do not play with good discipline. And that is something a better coach defense should fix, regardless of personnel. But I want to show you this. So if everybody's like, oh, you know, Fuller you know, makes this adjustment or that adjustment or doesn't make an adjustment. I actually think his second half adjustments are largely okay. But that's only after getting torched in the first half. So a team total is a number you can bet on in Vegas about how many points a team will score. You can do it for the full game or you can do it for the first half. And where I've identified a real weakness at, is in the first half. And I want to tell you, the way they set these numbers is largely by taking your advanced metric rating, okay, your defense against the opponent's offense. So if you believe that FSU's defense is actually 25th or 20th or 15th or even 30th, 
like some of these advanced metrics that don't account for who they played in terms of like they know the opponent they played, but they don't know who actually played for the opponent. They're not player-based. They are team-based. Probably should think about microphone when I say this. They set these totals based on those. They make a little bit of a tempo adjustment, which, of course, is accounted for in those numbers as well. And they set them out. All right. You can also do them for the first half. And this is where FSU has a real problem under Adam Fuller. And maybe you say it's a defensive back problem. If you're a Knowles fan, you got to hope it is. Because they routinely put themselves behind the eight ball in the first half of games against reasonably competent offenses. So check this out. Oklahoma's first half team total was 12 and a half. Okay. FSU allowed 17. Florida's first half team total, 11. FSU allowed 24. Clemson's first half team total, 13 and a half. FSU allowed 24. Wake Forest first half team total, 14. FSU allowed 21. Louisville's first half team total, 13 and a half. FSU allowed 21. They are almost 10 points worse than the Vegas team total that is being set based on the power ratings that some people would believe. I'm telling you, this defense is not a top, like this defense this year was not a top 20 caliber defense if you actually account for who played in the jerseys that these power ratings see. Okay. That is egregiously bad to be that far off market. And again, like Vegas is setting these all the time because the power ratings are saying, okay, FSU's defense is 30th or 28th or 34th or, or 20th. You see what I'm saying? Like they are not seeing how bad they are in the first half. And Fuller, to his credit, eventually brings pressure in the second half because they're actually like they play this bend but don't break, but they play bend and break because they're not actually very good at the coverage stuff. I'm telling you, man, like you sh- this is this is way far off market if these power ratings are actually correct. And I know how these numbers are set because if you watch me on cover three, that's part of what I do. I look at how they're set. I know how they're set. I look at the main set of power ratings. I look at the ones that I think are probably pretty off and I bet against them. Those first half numbers are freaking terrible. Like, like that is really pretty bad. Yeah. I, um, and those are the five, I think opponents you played that had a pulse. The other yeah. ones had significant injuries at quarterback or were playing their backups. You sent me that earlier in the week, and I wasn't playing radio when I said I wasn't sure as to win total. I'm just uh, exhausted and don't retain information right now. Uh, and totally, totally forgot that we looked at this and, and talked about it three or four days ago. But in, and you did a, you know, a good job of describing it. In looking at that on my phone when you sent that to me, it is, it is damning. It is uh, concerning. And certainly, you hope that uh, a lot of it had to do with your defensive back coach and, and that you can improve there. Um, but those are, you know, it's a, it's not a, 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 it's not a massive sample size, but it's not an insignificant one either. Uh, and it is, it is something that, that jumps out at you when you look at it, uh, on paper, or you have somebody describe it to you, uh, via audio form on a podcast. And I think it's a fairly, um, just way of talking about this. Cause it's a, it's not somebody's opinion. It, it's pretty cold, hard numbers, uh, as to what's expected and, and what actually happens. 
I forgive you because you've had a little bit, kind of a busy week. I've had a few text messages come my way and a few graphics that I've looked at and tried to figure out what the hell they mean or anything else. But yeah, it's been it's been a great week. Oh man. Um. All right. So the clear goal for this team is to win the ACC next year, and if things go really well, to make a playoff. I don't think we can call it a failure if they don't win the ACC, but they have to at least make the ACC title game given this schedule and given this amount of talent coming back, right? Like if you lose to Clemson 35-30, like I I, I get it. Like In the championship game you're saying? Yeah, yeah, right, yeah absolutely. Uh, yeah. I think saying, I mean, look, the the want is a conference championship, obviously. The want is a conference championship. But the expectation internally is to win the conference next year. Uh, it, it is. And um, – It'll be fascinating. It'll be fascinating to see what uh, it looks like in a season. And, and Clemson's had some guys go pro, but they've also retained a, a lot of guys. And you got two programs that are gearing up to go for it. And and kind of clearly the uh, the class of the conference. And it just so happens to be that it's this different model where you know you go in you go into the season almost with the expectation that you play Clemson twice next year. I I think you have to. I just look at these other teams. I. So I'm putting together my top 25 for 24-7 and for CBS. And got to do our, I think we're doing our cover three show on Wednesday or Thursday for it. Um, I have FSU somewhere between like seventh and 12th. You know, I, I've been doing this exercise. Like, do they really, how many guys do they have who would play on like a national title team? How many guys do they have would play on an, on an, or like, like a, a team that would win the ACC, excepting like a 2018 Clemson, because I don't know if they have anybody who would start for 2018 Clemson, maybe Byers if he's as good as some people think he might be. And, and I don't think they have anybody who would start for 2013 FSU unless you put verse over Jones. And that's a, kind of a different role because how much Jones stood up. But I think he could, right? Maybe Wilson, if he totally balls out, could end up starting over KB. But KB ended up getting drafted pretty damn highly and was like a, a major force there down the stretch. I I think like, I, I mean, I could see him as high as seventh. I could see them 12th. And that's, I mean, that's a hell of a testament to the roster building that, that you know, Mike Norvell and Derek Ray have done. Like we're, de- I'm debating in my head, seventh to 12th. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, it's remarkable. Uh, they've done an exceptional job. Uh, they really have. And uh, done it in a manner of time and probably about two years faster than most people would have thought that, you know, getting to a, a single digit next year name was possible. So it's uh, it's very impressive and certainly been fortunate with some of the situations uh, and not have they just been fortunate. They've created their own luck with how they've managed the portal, uh, particularly the past two years, the ability to evaluate and, and find value there um, and certainly appear to have done so for a third year uh, as well. So. Um, also, I don't know if I have a third ACC team I want to rank. Like, I think I'm going to have Clemson and FSU somewhere between seven and 12. Do you have to put Miami in there just because you're an idiot if, if they, if everything clicks, given the talent they have, I, I don't really want to, uh, dude, this is tough. Like, like teams 19 to 43, I really, you can kind of just throw them up and, and mm-hmm. let them. This is, I mean, it's every year, but really, like North Carolina's defense is so horrendous, and they, they lost a lot of important guys off it. Their coaching's pretty poor. 
I don't really think Duke played it close to it, like a legitimate top 25 level. You know, they just got quite a bit of close game luck. Um, they do bring it against Miami, though. So if it, you know, yes, comes they do. down to those two teams battling out for that third spot, Duke. I had some Duke money line there. Duke historically has been quite the thorn in the side for Miami, and we do need to point that out. It's hard to play six neutral site games a year, man. Really? <laughs> I mean, we say that, but like Miami, just their, their fans don't give a shit, and they just no. don't show up at all. So no. unless they're playing FSU, I mean, so. they literally did not send a student bus to one game. Now, granted, that was you know Thanksgiving or something like that, but still, that's. That's one of the best stories that I've heard uh, recently. So I do think that's tough, like like, to, like legitimately, to to play in front of those kind of crowds. You know, it's such oh, a front. It's such a front. It has to be. City. Obviously, I'm yeah. far from un, unbiased here, but it's got to be tough, and it's got to be tough in recruiting, man. And I, I, again, I acknowledge, I acknowledge what is obvious in this situation, but still, um, it. You know, you can only get so impressed when you go to a game and there's at, at best 16,000 people in the stadium. I mean, it, it's tough. And maybe if it's just all about staying in Miami and maybe you want to be close to mom or whatever, I certainly see it. But if you, you go and you take a visual visits to Alabama and LSU and some of these other schools and you see the atmosphere, you see the atmosphere in Tallahassee, um, that, that would be tough. That would be tough. And it would also be tough to... Uh, and maybe I'm just reveling in Schadenfreude that I'm just going to find every <laughs> every possible shortcoming. But I, I also think it has to wear on you as a player. And and if you're in, you know, game five and nobody always has their A game, and you've got to try yeah. to dig deep, and you look up and you're you're hearing your damn high school coach cheer for you because you can hear individual people in the stands. Uh, that that's that's probably got to wear on you over time. Totally. Um, I'm pulling up next to your schedule, by the way, and I. Got it now. I, I click on the tennis schedule for a second. I was like, this, this, this looks like a lot of games, man. I don't really know if uh, they're going to play 27 games next year. Um, let me see here. LSU, obviously, you know, Boutte uh, took it. I'm just thinking about guys who recently have decided to go. Uh, Boutte took it on to the league. Florida has interestingly lost two offensive line starters in Tarquin and White. I'm not saying that the Barber kid would not have beaten out Tarquin. I'll, I'll give Florida fans that if, if that's what they want to think. And, and maybe they're right. Okay. But at the very least, Tarquin is like a, a high quality FBS player. And USC snapped him up immediately in the portal, which speaks to the lack of tackles in the portal this year. Who can, who can really play. And White is obviously a high quality player as well. So those are two guys. I don't think they actually wanted to lose there in Gainesville. Uh, Boston College. I think has been mostly neutral. Uh, Clemson had some interesting guys declare. Well, Boston College did lose the quarterback Dracovic, but they kind of liked the backup, and they just could never keep Dracovic uh, healthy. Clemson has now lost, I think, their best linebacker, right? I think Tyler Davis and uh, the kid whose name I cannot pronounce are coming back in the middle, but they do lose Brzee and Murphy. So while Davis and and I think it's James Roku are, are – are back. I don't think they have the same ceiling that Murphy and Brzee have, obviously. So that is a, a bit of a, like, will, will Clemson be good up front? Yeah, probably so. And they got Xavier Thomas back too, who may, if he puts it all together, scary, if he doesn't, then whatever. That's still a decent amount of losses on that defense. And I'm, did you watch the Mr. Go 30 video on them yet? Have you seen that? 
No, not even pretty big. I'll, I'll send it no. to you. You're, you're, it's probably the best, the best Mister Go Thirty uh, that I've ever <laughs> yeah. seen. All right, great. You know, that's a strong statement. Definitely. Um, Miami, I don't know what they're gonna do portal wise. Cuse is losing guys left and right. Uh, I think they're in real trouble. Wake, I want to see if At Perry hits the portal or not, or if he decides to go pro. Duke, I, I'm really not worried about to be honest. Like, I just think you're at a, a level of athleticism now to where, like, Duke's not really a team that's going to scare you. Mm-hmm. Vatek to me is like clearly a year away from being something good. Like, they may be okay, but I don't think you're going to get to good. And Pitt lost a lot of guys, you know. So we will, uh, we'll see, man. Um, you might be favored in every game. I'd be surprised if you weren't favored in at least. Like I'd be really surprised if you weren't favored in at least eight. Mm-hmm. You know, and that that that's like kind of worst case, barring just crazy injury type stuff. This is this is really setting up pretty well. It most certainly is. <laughs> it is, man. It's it's going to be great. It's it's going to be hard for us as uh, as people who host podcasts and and just going to be hard for, I think the general fan base to get through the next nine months. It's going to be a whole lot of anticipation. And uh, I was talking to a friend of mine today as to whether or not it's, you know, 2017 or 2012 or when you had this much kind of built up anticipation uh, that you're just going to ride through an off season. It'd be fascinating. It'd be awesome to see what the spring game looks like. Um, look forward to catching up with as many listeners as, as we can during that time, as that's always one of our favorite periods of the year. Uh, but man, congratulations. If you're sitting here watching this on a Saturday night, and as you're fond of saying, everybody's show is, is somebody's first show. Uh, but in all likelihood, you've been with us for a while and you watch us do instant reactions after losses as Florida State fans that you'd never thought you'd, you'd lose. And uh, it's been half a decade that's been freaking horrible uh and really tough and certainly appears as though you've left those days behind uh and aren't going to return to them uh anytime soon so it's uh it's been an incredible climb to use the phrase that the head coach is uh fond of and it's going to be a fun hell of a fun year for us to sit here and talk about it and and watch it play out you want to talk again like thursday or friday yep that would be great let's do that that'd be great i got a uh got a at a 6.30 flight to Charlotte tomorrow, so I'll be uh, be up up early talking to some coaches, talking to some guys that run personnel and seeing what trends that they see. Maybe I'll have a totally different opinion on what will happen in the portal. I guess we'll have to see on that. Really appreciate everybody in the chat. Make sure you give us those likes, guys. I think we had like 500 live at one point and uh, only 38 likes. So that, that's not – I mean, I'm not a math guy, but like that's not a great ratio not in my opinion. Guy. You know the the advanced like uh, percentage there that that we're running is is uh, is lacking. Um, cool, buddy. Get some sleep. I know it's been a super super busy week for you. It's been fun. And we'll uh, we'll reconvene. All right, y'all. Thanks as always for your support. We'll talk soon, bud. Have a good time in Charlotte, man. All right, buddy.